0: So this gospel passage is from mark chapter 13 and uh, mark chapter thirteen is it's a really tricky chapter um, and i don't I don't think I fully understand it uh, even just like I, so I spent this week you know sort of reading commentaries and that kind of thing and it's it's really tricky and, and one of the commentaries that I, I read, uh, the Catholic commentary on sacred Scripture, it says that mark chapter thirteen is one of the most, if not the most difficult chapter in the entire New Testament to understand, right? Because it seems like Jesus is talking about something and it seems like he makes a mistake, right? So we hear this, he's talking about the great tribulation, the sun being darkened, the moon not giving its light, the stars falling from the sky and the powers in the heavens will be shaken. Right? It, it seems like he's talking about like the end of the world when when everything is going to kind of come to its great conclusion and then the son of man will be coming in the clouds with great power and glory right that's what it sounds like except then toward the end right he says um, amen, I say to you this generation will not pass away until all these things have taken place right so it seems confusing it seems like he's talking about the end of the world but then this generation will not pass away. And it's like all those people died, right? And, and it didn't happen yet. And so it's like, what, what do we do with that? And like I said, I don't, I don't fully know. In fact, I was just talking to some priest friends last night, and, and another one of the guys mentioned the same thing. He's like, I don't actually know fully what Jesus is talking about here. So commentators have a, a, some, some different ideas about it. Um, but it seems like even there, there's, there's just some unsettlement. So it could be the case that Jesus is talking about the end of the world, and it could be the case that, that he just made a mistake, right? That's not likely at all, right? He's, he's God, so he generally knows what he's talking about, right? Like, we can probably trust that he understands what he's talking. So it's probably not the case that, that he's only speaking about the end of the world, although there, might, there may be some of that in there. Uh, probably some of that in there. But another thing that people talk about is, so Jesus, right, we know this, he died when he was about 33 years old. And uh, we know that our history, uh, our timing of history might be off by a couple of years. But nonetheless, so he's 33 years old, and we measure time based on when he was born, right? A.D. means Anno dominum, the year of the Lord. So we measure time by when he was born. We might be off by a few years, give or take. So anyway, sometime around 30 AD is when Jesus dies. At that time that he was living, a generation was about 40 years. So when he's saying that uh, this generation will not pass away until all these things have taken place, we can look and say, okay, 40 years from the time that he died gets us to 70 AD, give or take. In the year 70 AD, there happened to be a really significant event that took place in Jerusalem. And that significant event is that uh, Rome came in and destroyed the city. So, it destroyed the city, destroyed their homes, and above all, destroyed the temple, which for the Jewish people, the temple was like everything. The temple meant everything to them because it was their thing that God directed them to build in the land that God gave to them, right? So the land that they're living in, uh, Israel, which of course, Jerusalem is the capital of it, right? So this is the land that God gave to them. So it's, it's to them. It's like, this is a special place because God gave it to us. He didn't give it to anyone else. He gave it to us. And so this is a special place. And then what's more, right? He commands us to build this temple, a house fit for him. The temple in Jerusalem was massive and grand. In fact, the beginning of Mark chapter 13 begins with the disciples coming out of the temple and and remarking and saying, Jesus, look at these beautiful stones. Look how magnificent they are, right? The temple was everything for them, the place where God himself dwelt. And so in 70 AD, right, 40 years, a generation after the time that Jesus speaks these words, if all of that is destroyed, think about this. What's that like? It's like the world has ended. Right? Even though those people could easily just sort of like take a step back from their life and look and see that the world obviously had not ended yet, at the same time, everything that they know and love, and not just everything that they know and love, but everything that was given to them by God is completely ruined. Completely destroyed. And so for them, there is no more like I I used to be able to go to the temple because I knew that God dwelt there. Now I can't. That's miserable. Heck, I I can't even go home because there's no more home. Right? This land is it's been polluted and it's been destroyed and ruined forever. It's like their world has ended, right? So in some ways, this is what we're, we're kind of getting at, that when Jesus is speaking here, he's speaking in some ways about the end of all things, the end of the world. But he's also speaking about an event for these people that was very, very similar to the end of the world for them, right? Life became chaotic and messy. And so it was as though the world had ended. And so I was thinking about this this week, right? So what was I thinking about? I was was thinking about Jesus knowing that this was going to take place, right? So this is toward the end of the Gospel of Mark, chapter 13. There are 16 chapters in the Gospel of Mark. Chapter 14 begins the passion narrative. It begins this sort of Jesus moving in the direction of the cross. He's already kind of been moving in that direction, but chapter 14, things get a lot more intense. It's when he celebrates the Passover, he institutes the Eucharist at the Last Supper, he's arrested, he's crucified, all these things, right? He dies, right? And and so like, he knows that this is about to come. And so again, like to think about this for a minute, if you knew, if you were a leader of a large group of people, people that you dearly, dearly cared about, And you knew that you were about to die and suffer intensely to the point that it was going to seem to them like maybe you aren't who they think you are, right? To think about, okay, so I know this is coming up. How could I I need, like, I need to start sharing with them really important things. Of course, he saves the most important thing for the Last Supper, right? When he gives himself in the body, in the blood, in the Eucharist to his disciples, but nonetheless, before that, he's, he's saying like, I've got to tell them, I've got to warn them about the things that are going to come because when these things come and it seems like the world is crashing down on them and it seems like everything is coming to an end because it's so chaotic and it's so jumbled and it's so messy and it's so dark, I just I need to tell them that this isn't going to be a surprise to me. I need to tell them that it's in that moment that they they shouldn't flee. They shouldn't run from their faith, but instead, what should they do? They just got to look for me, right? Our Alleluia verse, be vigilant at all times and pray that you have the strength to stand before the son of man, right? For them, Jesus, you could imagine him thinking when it seems like their world is going to be crashing down on them. I just, I have to tell them don't run, but just look for me. Just be faithful. This is the thing, you guys. We're, because this can apply to our own lives, right? This easily can apply to our own lives. We can look at the world, and we can see that things are incredibly chaotic right now. I'm not saying that we're in the end times. But if you look at the world and you don't see chaos right now, then you're, not, you're blind. Right? We can see that our world is so divided over pretty much everything out there. Look in, in the church right now, in the, in the church as a whole at large, the church is divided. It's a mess. It can seem like things are really chaotic for a lot of us, right? Even in our own families, things can be divided and chaotic. Sometimes even in our own lives, right? Things can seem really divided and chaotic. Like, I just, it, seems, it can seem like for anyone paying attention in the world, uh, in the church, even in your own families, in your own life, it can seem like maybe we are in the end times I don't know it seems like something is really messed up and this is Jesus the warning that he gives to his disciples is the same warning that he wants to give to us and that is to say you don't have to be anxious you don't have to be worried you don't have to run from your faith but instead Of all times, this is the time to look for me, Jesus is saying. Of all times, this is the time to just simply be faithful. Now, I know that sometimes being faithful to the Lord, right, keeping his commandments and and staying strong in your Catholic Christian faith, sometimes that can seem like a big fight. It can seem like I really got to try hard to do that. And that, that is absolutely the case. But at the same time, it doesn't have to be the kind of fight that makes us anxious or worried. Because Jesus is never anxious and he's never worried. He's aware of all things and nothing surprises him. And the message that he wants to deliver to us is just to sort of warn us about the things that are coming. To warn us, but also to let us know that if we're faithful to him, if we keep our eyes peeled for him, then we get to be on his side, right? We believe as Christians, and this is something that all Christians believe, not just Catholic Christians, but all Christians believe this, that there's an entire reality that we can't see, right? When we profess our creed, we we believe in all things visible and invisible. We believe that there's an entire reality that we can't see, an invisible reality, and that in that invisible reality, that there's like a war going on, that you and I have an enemy and that that enemy has one goal and that one goal is to destroy us so that we can become distracted from God's plan for our lives and therefore forget that we're actually on his side and that he's on our side. That enemy wants nothing more than to steal us away from the glory that God has in store for us. And Jesus here is telling us You don't have to let him steal you, but in fact, I myself will protect you, but even more so, or not even more so, but in addition to me protecting you, I have others who will protect you, right? We heard about this in our first reading from the book of the prophet Daniel. In those days, I, Daniel, heard this word of the Lord. At that time, there shall arise Michael, the great prince, guardian of your people, Right, The Lord provides for us, again, in this invisible reality that just because it's invisible doesn't mean that it's not real. It is absolutely real. The Lord provides for us angels, an army from heaven, to defend us against the attacks of the enemy. And St. Michael, we say, is one of the archangels of God. St. Michael is the chief angel of God, we could say, who is charged with protecting us from the attacks of Satan and the devil. And so for us to recognize this, that when things seem chaotic, when it seems like maybe the world is ending, I just don't know. (laughs) That again, we don't have to be anxious. We don't have to be worried because there's an entire army provided by God to defend us, to guard us, to guide us toward fidelity to Jesus. If only, brothers and sisters, if only we would recognize it. Because when we allow ourselves to become anxious, when we allow ourselves to become worried about, I just, I don't don't know how to respond to this, it's then that we lose sight of Jesus. But if we can fix our eyes on Jesus, to look for him, to be vigilant and faithful to him, then we don't have to worry and we don't have to be anxious. I love this image from our second reading to the letter to the Hebrews. Every priest stands daily at his ministry, offering frequently those same sacrifices that can never take away sins. But this one, that is Jesus, this one offered one sacrifice for sins and took his seat forever at the right hand of God. Right, this beautiful image of the old covenants, the old laws that Jesus, or that the Father gave in the old covenant, in the Old Testament. How there was demanded a sacrifice to be made daily. And so that sacrifice to be made daily, it didn't really allow those who were making the sacrifices to have rest, right? They're standing daily offering their sacrifice. And then Jesus comes along, the perfection of all of the old law, the perfection of it, and he offers one sacrifice. And that one sacrifice being perfect, he can sit down and rest with the Father. This is a beautiful image, I think, for me, for us, that if you and I are able to remain faithful to Jesus, we're able to sit down with him, to rest with him, so that it doesn't matter what's going on in the world. If things seem chaotic, if, if it seems like things are coming crashing down on us in any given direction, we can still just sit and be at peace with Jesus, confident and knowing that his sacrifice, his perfect sacrifice is sufficient. If only we remain faithful to him. What a beautiful gift that he provides for us in giving us everything, giving us protection from on high, giving us the sacrifice that forgives sins, and even to the point of giving us the warning so that when the chaos comes, we just have to look for him and rejoice that we have a king, a God, who is so good